Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is, and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. Hello, boys and girls. So currently, I am in Ocean Beach, San Diego, California. If you're from San Diego, you know where Ocean Beach is. Ocean Beach is one of my favorite little neighborhoods in San Diego. I love it. I think the vibe is super cool. It's very relaxing. It's mellow. Um, It's by the beach, by the water, and that's where I'm currently at. And I recorded a podcast episode with my new friend, Quinn. We're literally twins. It's kind of crazy. Not in the way we look. She has blonde hair. I'm like very, I have very, very dark hair. But the way that our minds works, minds works. Wow. Our mind works. So before we jump into that, I want to tell you guys about this really cool opportunity that I got. And I wanted to share it with you because it's going to be happening within the next, I think, two or three weeks. We haven't set dates yet, um, but I'll include my personal information so you can DM me or message me, um, email me if you're interested in joining the training and I'll let you, I'll send you like a personal email and invite to the training. It's free. Um, But I'm going to be talking about Pinterest. So I've kind of talked about this in separate Um, podcast episodes kind of like little tidbits here and there. But if you didn't know, I originally started a blog called Living Breely about two years ago, a year and a half ago. And when I started my blog, I had no intention of turning it into a business. I thought, you know, it would be cool, but like I didn't set the intention. I was just kind of like, oh, that would be dope if I could make money off of this. But then as I got deeper and deeper into meeting other bloggers and just getting into the online space. I was blown away and I was like, no, this is what I want to do. So where was I going with that? Okay. So when I started Living Breely, it was mostly about documenting. Like I didn't have the intent of like curating content and like a content creator. And like, I didn't know anything about anything. I just like wanted to write. I taught myself HTML one weekend and just kind of like grew from there. So when I started living Breely, I of course like wanted people to read my writing, like no shame in my game. I wrote something. I wanted people to read it and I wanted to know what their thoughts were. 
And so I didn't know anything about SEO, which is search engine optimization. And I didn't know anything about Facebook, Facebook Lives. I didn't have a Pinterest. Or I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't have an Instagram. Instagram TV wasn't even a thing. <laughs> like, I didn't know that you had to use, there goes my oven, hold on, BRB. Sorry, I'm literally making a frozen pizza right now as I record this. Um, So anyway, I didn't know any of these different avenues to gain traffic, and I didn't want to do all of them. And I just happened to stumble across Melissa Griffin, who is absolutely amazing. I took her free webinar, and then I kind of branched out from there. She did a webinar on Pinterest and how to use it to gain traffic to your website, And I decided, like, I'm just going to do Pinterest. I'm not going to try to do all of the other things that everyone else is doing because I was already overwhelmed. I didn't know how to do. I was still like really self-conscious about my writing, what I was putting out there. And so I just did Pinterest literally for a year. All I did was pin my little freaking heart out for 365 days. I did not miss a day. I was on Pinterest like it was freaking Google. It was I mean, which we can well, we're going to talk about it in the training that I'm doing Um, because I could talk about Pinterest for hours. And I honestly think that that really helped me instead of because now. Sorry, I'm a little all over the place. I had a venti iced coffee, which is like I looked at the cup and I was like, do I want to have anxiety today? And I was like, you know what? We're going to risk it. (laughs) So I'm a little bit scatterbrained. Um, But I actually think that it helped me to focus on one platform and start with one platform and master it and just keep going at it and really understand it and really learn what works for me, what works for my audience, what people were tracking. And honestly, I can, I'm going to go over all the KPIs, which are the key performance indicators um, and all of the different like statistics and everything when you have a business Pinterest profile, um, because it really will give you a lot of insight into what your audience is liking and what they're not liking. So super interesting. Um, I didn't start my my blogging Instagram or my blogging Facebook until this year. And I'm already like, wow, I'm so glad that I didn't start here because it's overwhelming. I think Facebook is becoming Craigslist adjacent. Not going to lie. Like every time I go on it, everyone's doing Facebook lives. Everyone's posting, everyone's selling. And I get it. I get the hustle. I totally respect it. Everyone runs their business differently. For me, Facebook isn't my jam. Okay. Maybe one day it will be. I don't know. I wasn't expecting Pinterest to be my jam, but it was. Now it is. So it really just depends. And I think if you're really new to the blogging space or online space, I think to pick one platform is going to be your best bet in really formulating an audience. So I grew my Pinterest to 80 or my Pinterest. I grew my blog to about 80,000 views within the first three months, which was insane, totally unexpected. And that was all through Pinterest. I didn't know SEO. I didn't do Facebook lives. Instagram TV wasn't even a thing yet. So it's pretty incredible that the 
that Pinterest has a ton of power to really engage and get your get grow help you grow an audience essentially. So I will be doing those lives, those lives, the trainings um, in my friends Facebook groups. We don't have dates picked out yet, um, just because Thanksgiving's coming up for us here in America, and I know a lot of people are traveling, so we're just trying to like figure out the best time to do it. And I, like I said, if you give, if you, I'm going to leave my personal information for contacting me, shoot me an email and I'll send you an invite personally to these trainings because they're going to be awesome. Each one's going to be different because they're in different groups who have different niches. So I'm going to try niches, niches, however you pronounce it. So I'm going to try, I'm going to be tailoring it to each specific audience. So when I get more information, I will definitely be sharing all of that on my Instagram at living and you you guys will be able to kind of sign up for it. It's free. Um, it's probably going to be about 30 to 45 minutes um, because I know I have a short intention span. Like after like 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, uh, well, <laughs> I'm tapping out. Anyway, so that is my little announcement, my little blurb that I can think of right now. I have a new blog post coming up on Wednesday where I'm going to be sharing holiday gift ideas for people with anxiety. So you can either buy them for yourself if you have anxiety or (laughs) if you have someone in your life who has anxiety, something that they might enjoy. Uh, That's all I can think of. So let me tell you about my new friend, Quinn. She's amazing. She's awesome. I absolutely love her. She's an intuitive business coach and we just had so much fun recording. So she is an absolute rock star because I messaged her earlier this week and I was like, hey, uh, do you want to be on my podcast? And she was like, yeah, totally. And I was like, okay, can you record it like today? And Friday didn't work out. So then we actually recorded it yesterday, um, which was awesome. Although there might be some planes going over because I didn't realize I was in a flight path. So we have San Diego International Airport. And so there was a fl- the flight path that goes right over where I was staying. Um, so there's some planes in the background. So my bad. But you know what? We had to do what we had to do. I absolutely love Quinn. She's such a rock star for just being down to record. I didn't know really anything about her. I checked out her Instagram, her website and her Facebook. And I was like, I feel like she has a lot of really great knowledge to offer. And I wanted to give that to you guys to give that to my audience as well. So we got along absolutely wonderfully. She's we're kind of like twins. Like I was saying, we don't look alike. I have very dark hair, which by the way, I just discovered texturizing spray. Oh my gosh. I got the one by Living Proof. I I'm obsessed. I have um so if you guys didn't know, I'm like very ethnically ambiguous. <laughs> so I'm like a lot of things. I'm Asian. I am Spanish. I am British. And I just discovered that I'm Scottish and like Eastern European. Crazy, right? So my hair is like, I don't have Asian hair. Like my dad is Asian. So you know how Asian women typically have like very fine straight hair. So I have very straight hair, but I have a lot of it. 
it's weird. I have a very weird texture of hair, I feel. Um, and my hairdressers are always like, you have so much hair. And I'm like, really? I had no idea. I didn't know that I went through a bottle of conditioner almost every month. <laughs> um, but this texturizing spray is like a whole nother level. It keeps everything Oh, my hair just looks so good. It doesn't, I'm getting used to the feel of it because I'm the type of person who likes to run my hands through my hair and you can't really do that with texturizing spray, but it just gives it like, I don't know if you can hear it, like my hair in the mic. It gets, just gives it like a very great feel. So I'm going to link the texturizing spray, um, in the episode description. It's a bit on the pricey side. Like I don't really like to spend a lot of money on hair products just because I, kind of like am that person that's like oh I'll use this for a couple of weeks and then I like buy something else and then I use that so I have like a r- bunch of random things um but this texturizing spray I feel like I don't need hairspray I maybe could use a little bit of like an oil um just to coat like my dead dead ends that I desperately need to cut um but my hair feels just so good I don't even know how else to explain it it's not like you know hairspray gets crunchy texturizing spray doesn't do that and especially if you wash your hair okay another weird thing like Asian women tend like we cannot go without washing our hair like I wish I could be that girl that like goes to the gym and is like, yeah, I can just throw some dry shampoo in my hair and be good. Like, no, girlfriend, I need to wash my hair. If I work out, like I have to wash my hair because one, I just sweat. Like I am just a naturally sweaty person. It's really, really attractive. Um, so my hair looks like I've already taken a shower after I'm done working out and I can only go about I have to wash my hair maybe every other day. I can do two days if I'm not, like I said, working out. Um, and that kind of sucks because when you blow dry it, it, the, it doesn't get that like nice oil on it. But the texturizing spray gives you just like a really nice finish. I can't believe I've probably talked for three minutes about texturizing spray, but you guys need it and you need it in your life. I'm telling you, don't forget the one who told you about it because it's freaking amazing. Anyway, Quinn and I (laughs) talked for a long time and I just feel like it's a really good episode. It was just very, I usually ask for like, do like a short interview before we actually record like a couple days prior so I can outline like what the call is going to be about. But with Quinn, I didn't, I, we just instantly connected. And so I didn't feel like I needed to even do that. And we just jumped in and we talked and it's just a really good conversation. Like I feel like if Quinn and I were sitting on a couch drinking, well, I don't drink, but if she was drinking wine and maybe I was drinking a chamomile tea or a LaCroix, LaCroix for life, BTW, um, we would just, this would be the conversation that we had. So I really liked it. I hope that you guys do too. If you have any questions about the Pinterest uh, trainings that I'm doing, feel free to shoot me a DM. I'm going to leave the email address. And I, like I said, I will personally send you all of the information. I'd love to hear from you. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I want to let everyone know that I am staying in a house that is in 
like a flight path. So you might hear airplanes going over. I'm going to try my best to like mute the mic as Quinn is talking, but you might hear some airplanes. I'm right next to San Diego um, International Airport. Like there's literally a plane going over right now. Um, so <laughs> just bear with us. You know, life's not perfect. So neither is this podcast. <laughs> So Quinn, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yes. So I am a life and business coach for thought leaders. And so I work with creative minds, visionary minds, like really outside of the box thinkers, mostly coaches to be honest, but it's usually the coaches that I tend to work with. They always, the one thing they have in common is they have this calling to really change the world and really start to challenge the way that people think and the way that people live their lives and really start to question like the systems that we take for granted and like just, you know, we just think that, oh, you know, this is how life is. Things are the way they are. So I work with a lot of the coaches who want to challenge that and who want to really start to shift how collectively we as humans think and live our lives. So those are the people I work with. And what I really help them to do is I bring them to their intuitive gifts. I bring them to their intuitive mind. And this is always, always, always a game changer in life and business for my clients because our intuitive mind, oh my God, it holds so much wisdom. And very often when we get stuck in linear logic and a linear paradigm and thinking in terms of black and white, things can seem really complicated and it can be really easy to underestimate yourself and to feel like you have this uphill battle going on. And I know that in my experience, when I discovered my intuitive gifts, it was a game changer for me. So I love facilitating this with my clients and bringing them, you know, bringing them back to their intuitive mind, helping them with the psychological healing, helping them to spiritually align with their deepest desires and actually manifest them and actually make them happen first on a psychological level and an energetic level. And then on a more strategic level as well. And you know, that's when the action steps become clear, but usually in business, what I have found, you know, I started my business last year and what I, my first year has been profoundly rewarding, but also profoundly challenging. And, you know, so it's been, it's been a lot of everything. Um, I think the biggest thing that, um, I have learned and like really noticed is that, Oh shoot. I forget where I was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll hear, I'll kind of help you up. So this is my first year of business too. So I completely understand like the, I hate how cliche this is, but it's literally a roller coaster. Like it is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And for me, I find that at every level and it doesn't have to be income. Like, I think that's part of it, but also like at every level that I move up in my business, like I have to recalibrate myself yes. to match where I'm at in my business. And it, that's hard. And especially in your, I would say, I mean, I'm expecting this to be like the, the first like two years of business are probably going to be like this as I'm like navigating new waters. Like what are things going to look like for me? Like my entire life has had to change since I've started this business. And it's hard because it's like, for me, support, having a support system, like my friends and my family is so important to me. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm learning, oh, I can't expect them to like meet me where I'm at. 
Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> Cause whatever I was, whenever I was saying before that, just that thought just like went off on a, went off on its own. <laughs> that that okay. happens sometimes. Cause I tend to like, and this is a huge part of the intuitive mind is I channel my message as I'm saying it. But, um, if I'm feeling like even a little bit foggy in my head, sometimes what'll happen is I'll start talking and then the thought will just kind of fade away. And I'm like, Oh no, where'd that thought go? Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, the first year has been quite a wild ride and you know, it's, it's been so rewarding in the sense that I've helped a lot, a lot of, a lot of women to come home to their intuitive mind, come home to their soul, and then actually not just change their businesses, but change their life forever and like profound ways. And then when their life changes, they start making these amazing sales that they used to think was impossible. And now they're just like, it's just another day. But at the same time, they're obviously always grateful and it's, and it's wonderful. Um, so it's been really rewarding in that way, but the journey really started with quite a transition. So I started off this journey being kind of like your typical workaholic overachiever, perfectionist, kind of that wounded masculine sort of personality where I just really believed that if I worked hard enough and I dedicated enough of my time to something, I could make it really flourish and grow. Not really thinking about the spiritual side of this. You know, I was just very much a hard worker, um, you know, an overachiever. So this intuitive way of doing things wasn't even really on my radar until I was just finishing up working on my master's degree in counseling psychology. I was just getting ready to be trained to actually have a career and as we were doing the practical, so I did all the coursework. As we were doing the practical work, I realized, oh no, I've studied a certain discipline, you know, I've studied psychology for nine years, and I'm realizing now that I do not want to be a therapist at all. Like, it's just not the career for me. And at first, this was scary, but then I remembered that I had this dream of being a coach. And for the past year, I had been kind of like lurking and like just admiring the coaching industry, but not actually diving in. Right. So that was like a solid year of that. And so at this point when I was just like, I'm not meant to be a therapist, I kind of realized, okay, well then if I'm not meant to be a therapist, why don't I just go all in and become a coach? And so what really, my very first really big leap forward was, and that really started, like kicked off this year was hiring my intuitive success mentor for a $20,000 investment. So it was a huge leap, a huge risk for us, especially because me and my husband were both living in in poverty at this time. So this kind of risk was really, really intense. But at the end of the day, I knew it was what I was meant to do. And like my heart was literally pulling me in this direction aggressively. And I was just like, this is where I need to go. And so I'm really glad I did because this experience with my first mentor is how I discovered my intuitive gifts. And once that happened, it was like opening up a Pandora's box and my life was never, ever, ever going to be the same again. And it never was the same again, because now I was learning how I could read people's energy, how I could read, not, I want to say read people's minds, but really understand their struggles and why they are struggling. And like, I just realized I had this way of really zoning in on the core problem that's going on in their mind, their body, their soul, like what they're really hurting, like how they're really hurting without realizing it. Usually it's very often a subconscious thing that's happening. And that's why the success seems like an uphill battle because there's all this subconscious weight going on. But I really learned from unlocking these intuitive gifts that I can sense what's going on in that subconscious and why it needs to be healed and how it needs to be healed. And once I discovered that, 
it was a huge game changer because then I was confident selling my coaching because I knew I wasn't just selling some sort of process that I do, which it wouldn't be bad, but you know, it really was a game changer knowing that I had these unique gifts that no one else had, not in the same way. I mean, we all have intuitive gifts, but the way that mine operated made me, gave me this unique edge and it meant a lot to me. And it also just made a lot of things simultaneously make more sense and less sense at the same time. Because so, in many ways, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, two things I want to circle back to. So one is, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, his name is Michael Neal. No. Um, he has this great, like, I, I forgot what I took. I don't know if it was like a webinar or if he was like a guest. I forgot. It was a while ago. Um, but he talks about how his coaching is all about like innate knowledge and wisdom that we all have within us. Like it doesn't have anything to do with how many books you've read, how many seminars you've attended. If you went to Harvard, if you went to Cambridge, if you went to a state school or community college, like there's a certain level of wisdom and knowledge that we all inherently have. And he uses really great analogy which is like totally politically incorrect. And he even said that like, as he was teaching, (laughs) but it's um, when you have children, like when you teach them how to swim, Mm -hmm. he's like, if you throw your kid in the pool and they're like, you know, they're for the first couple of seconds, they're going to splash around and freak out. But then they learn to trust themselves that if they just relax into the water, that they're going to naturally float. And he's like, instead of holding up, you know, if you get in the pool with your kid and you're trying to hold them and like teach them, they're going to be splashing around and they're going to rely on you to give them that support. And he says a lot of the times the best coaching that you can find isn't always someone who can give you all of the tools and strategies and all of the like little like little things that we try to teach, but it's really teaching them to trust themselves and to understand that they already have all of the tools and resources within them. It's just the coach's job to bring those things out. I am so glad that you brought that up because everything that you said is just so much what I resonate with and what my coaching is really all about and what I've learned in the past year, because I came, I come from a university background where I was top of my class for, you know, forever and university was a huge part of my life. So I started to really think of things in very, you know, tangible, credential, paper-based ways, like, you know, like you said, like the knowledge that you get from like going to Harvard or something like that. Like, you know, I was very much in that paradigm where I thought the credential was what gave me power until I discovered my gifts and realized that it was innate. So I'm really glad you brought that up because that's really what I'm doing with my clients is when I bring them in touch with their intuitive mind and then we do the psychological healing, the subconscious work, and then we go into the business, what's really happening is they are being put in that position where yes, they're being guided, but I'm not giving them all the answers. They're coming in, you know, they're, um, coming back in touch with their soul, with their truth, with how they really think with what their opinions actually are with what they actually want to tell people, the boundaries that they actually want to have in their lives. And then they start taking actions from a place of their true aligned desires instead of acting in a way that they think is going to make other people happy. And that is going to eventually pay off maybe one day. Cause that's very often how we're raised. I think to, to see success is, you know, the more that you keep everyone else happy, the more that you just hunker down and like stick to it and keep yourself busy, the more that you will succeed. And 
until I discovered my intuitive gifts, yeah, things were going kind of well, but for the most part, success would not be the word that I would describe as what I was receiving as a result of my hard work. Right. Yeah. I think the the old paradigm of success equates money and power. And I think hopefully, I mean, I truly believe this, that we're coming to a a point where that's like an old and like an antiquated mindset where success is what we decide. Um, Ariana Huffington, the creator of of Huffington Mm -hmm. Post, she wrote a really good book that I'm reading right now called Thrive. And Mm -hmm. it's all about the third metric of success. Interesting. And it's, it's about well-being. Like you're, are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you surrounding yourself with family? And I think it is such an important book because kind of like you, I was brought up of like, if you want something, you have to work very hard for it. And so work ethic has never been my problem. Me too. I will work like I, like the first coach I hired, I was like, I, like, I will work 12, 13, 14 hours a day. And she was like, no, 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 you don't need to do that. Yeah, that's what I said too. <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, I just need to know where to put my energy. Like, where do, like, what, where do I put, where do I diversify my energy? Because I was yes. like, I will spend, I will work until, like, I'm, you know, exhausted and at that point of, like, delirious. <laughs> like, um, exactly. And so I think that's just kind of how our generation was raised. I don't know. Um, but I do, I, I don't know how old you are, but 27. I'm, okay, I'm 26. Cool. <laughs> so so yeah, I think like our generation gets this like bad rep for having poor, a poor work ethic. I noticed that too. Yeah. The millennial, the millennials are so lazy and self-entitled. I'm like, um, I don't know who you're talking about, but that's not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If anything, I have been more, I have been harder on myself than any human being I know. So there's no privilege here. Like, or there's no like self-entitled, like, you know, I don't think that everybody owes me a favor. You know, I don't walk around being mm-hmm. like, okay, so everybody give me everything you have, please and I'll put nothing in. That's just never been my mindset. If anything, I'm an overgiver and I actually pour too much energy and too much of myself into a lot of things because I've always been very ambitious and very driven. But the downfall to that is when you are raised in a society where you're taught that ambition means, like you said, money and power becomes the motivating factor when in actuality, like this is a huge lesson that just hit me in the face recently is that, and honestly, this whole year has been learning this lesson is that, um, that it's not, it's not really, success is not really about money and power. Success is whatever you decide it is. You get to decide your values. You get to decide what you're going to value. So therefore you get to decide how you're going to define success. And right. so I decided rather recently, and it has already been a game changer in how I feel like, especially today, I feel so great because I decided, you know what, what if instead I define success instead of defining it by how much money is in my bank account, how many clients I've signed this month, what if I define success by my happiness, my well being, my mental clarity, because my mental clarity, I think as any, like, this is kind of a, a nice message for any intuitives, um, your greatest asset is your mental clarity and your energy. So if you're draining your energy and you're draining your mental clarity, it becomes very hard. And I've learned this the hard way becomes very hard to show up in your business the way you want to, because your greatest assets are drained and you're not recharging them because you believe that if you recharge them, you'll sabotage that success. And I believed the exact same thing until rather recently. So this is, I think a very common, common struggle because 
the way that intuitive creative minds work almost, you know, the way that it works makes it almost impossible to move forward that way for people like you and me. I think some people do actually thrive from pressure, but not everybody does. And to broad brush it and decide that it's all about hard work for everybody and that success is going to mean the same thing to everybody and that the same rules will apply to everybody Mm -hmm. is why success seems so difficult for so many people because we don't really understand what success is. So it becomes this like abstract concept that you're constantly striving for. And meanwhile, the only thing we all want as human beings at the end of the day is to come home to our soul, take a deep breath and know that everything's okay. And that who we are exactly the way we are is enough. And so that's why that sink or swim sort of way of coaching has, you know, it really speaks to me so much Mm -hmm. because my clients don't need me to hold their hands and tell them, okay, this is what you're going to do. And then you're going to do this and then you're going to do that. And then you're going to do this because what I think they should do is not always what they should do. First of all, that's always keep in mind. I may be gifted and I may sense what I feel is in alignment for them, but at the end of the day, they are their own best expert. So they, if, if it feels off for them and I continue to push them to do something doesn't feel right to them, that's not really where I want to go with my coaching. You know, that's just like not how I want to encourage people to approach life and business. I really want life and business to become this part of your life that is just as fun and enjoyable and enjoyable as everything else that you do. Like you said, the family time and getting enough sleep and the eating and the exercising should all be just as equally a part of your life as your business. Mm-hmm. But what I was yeah, finding, I mean, I oh, find, sorry. No, it's okay. I find that the healthiest people are usually the most successful. And that doesn't, right. it has nothing to do with weight or no. like abs or <laughs> muscles, but it's yeah. like, is this person taking care of themselves? Are they resting? Yeah. Are they eating well or eating what's best for them? Whatever that looks like, vegan, keto, whatever. Whatever, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it all comes down to defining, like you talked about like success and like people don't really know what success means to them. And I think you have to ask yourself, what does success feel like to me? Yes, that you was have, a huge turning point. You have to, def- like, people have to define it for themselves, but mm-hmm. you have to take the time to sit down and be like, what does success actually mean to me? Because it, I think we are, if you get too tied into, like, it sounds so, like, condescending when society tells you what to do. Yeah, um, I know what you're saying. <laughs> but, like, that's true. Like, society kind of dictates the, the flow of things sometimes. And I think when you have to like mm-hmm. step outside and be quote an outlier, um, yes. that it's difficult for a lot of people. That was like the hardest thing for me to do was like to realize like for me, no one in my life was working in the online space. No one in my life, actual life was a coach or an entrepreneur. So when I decided to like take that leap, it was like, I didn't have anyone to like look at that was actually in my life other than like on social media or YouTube or the internet um, to emulate. Like I didn't know. So it was kind of like a catch 22 because I got to define, I was like, oh, I have to figure then define this out for myself. But it was also really difficult because I didn't have anyone in my life to like look at, you know? So it can be very lonely, 
but I'm also kind of used to that, like, where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do my own thing and do it how I want to. Oh my god, we're the same person. <laughs> so funny. I've always been like that. I've always been like, I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. And so I don't know why I thought business would be any exception. But in the beginning, it's really scary when you're deciding to, you know, you're on this path that seems straight and narrow. Everything's lined up. Everyone's approving of your choices. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wait, this is not what I want. I want to go over here and do this thing that no one else is has ever heard of. Like people, I still get like, I'm sorry, what is a life in business coach? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You can't put that together. (laughs) No, that's so so not, yeah, it's just so not normalized. I was just at a family dinner and my, like, she's not, I don't think she's my family. I don't know. You know how like everyone (laughs) is like your aunt or your uncle and you're like, but they're really not. Um, she was like, wait, so like, I heard you have a podcast. So like, what do you do? (laughs) <laughs> was like, uh, she's like, do you go to like a radio station? <laughs> oh, and no. I was like, no, I literally sit in my living room in yoga pants and a torn up t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. With dog hair and like, you know, mix, mix, why can't I say this? Mixed match socks. And I talk to really cool people all over the world. Like that's what a podcast is. Like, yeah. I don't even try to def- def- explain it anymore. Like, I'm like, you know, if you're really interested, you'll ask me the right questions. Not like, so what is it that you do? Like with a condescending tone. <laughs> exactly. Whenever people start treating me like that, I realize they're not interested in learning more, but that's when I'm like, right. you know, you don't have to ask me more. I'm cool with just leaving it at life and business coach and letting the conversation die, you know, if it doesn't interest yeah. me. But yeah. it's just it's so not the norm to build your own career the way that we have been able to. And you know, start doing your own thing like this. Um, it's just not heard of. And I think that that makes it really hard, especially when you're branching off on your own, because you haven't like, you know, now that I've had some results, it's not as hard. I mean, I'm not saying I haven't had some challenges, but you know, when, before you've, before you've really gotten, you know, you've dug in and really gotten things going, it's really easy to feel like, Oh God, what am I even doing? Like no one else is doing this. Am I crazy? Like what is wrong with me? Yeah. I've had the end of the day, you know, your heart doesn't lie. Yeah, exactly. I've had my moments early, like early on this year, I was like, I should just go and get another, like a normal nine to five job. Yes. So much easier. It takes the stress off and I don't know what it is. I still haven't been able to articulate it, but I think it's just something inherent. Yeah. Um, that just kept me going. Like I'm, I'm, I I always say that I'm, um, curiosity drives me and resiliency pays me and pays isn't always in the monetary sense. Right. Yeah. Um, But that curiosity of like, well, what if I kept going? Like what would happen if I didn't give up? That curiosity is always what kind of like pushes me forward because I'm like always curious. And I've had, like you were saying, you know, even if we've had moderate results, um, Mm -hmm. There's been like times, like I talk about this very openly, my first course flopped. Not a single person bought it. And I spent so much time working on it, building it. And then like, you know, and there was a lot of things that I did wrong. (laughs) Like looking back, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, of course you couldn't expect results from that. But it was a learning lesson. And I think the more comfortable people get with failure and not so much as it's like this catastrophic event of like something doesn't sell or you don't get as many clients or signups or you're not fully booked like you can still learn there's so much learning and failure exactly and so I'm wait because I've had that failure and other failures since then 
I'm way more willing to risk it, like risk certain things. Like I'm like, it's fine. Like if it doesn't work out, like I'm going to be okay. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear you say this because this is also a huge part of what I've been going through recently. I've had like, so my business is really funny how the success has worked. It's been a lot of on, off, on, off in like a perfect on, off, on, off pattern. Like it, it, it almost seems like, Hmm. And no, I, I actually know exactly what it is. I was going to be like, it seems like it, it's almost seems like there's something in my mind that keeps sabotaging, but it, that's exactly what it is. And that's exactly what I've kind of come to realize. But what would happen is I would make a lot of money and then I'd be like, Oh my God, how did I do this? If it's this easy, why doesn't everyone do it? Oh my God. Like I, mm-hmm. why, I don't deserve this. There's people who are struggling to make money. This was so easy and I'm having so much fun and I love my job so much. People don't love their jobs. This isn't fair. So I would just like freak out and mm-hmm. start self-sabotaging in every way you could think. So the first dry spell in my business that I had was because of, of exactly what I just described. And it was in the winter and it was literally the hardest thing I've ever gone through. I think it was literally like actually like the dark night of my spiritual awakening. Like it was literally like every issue that I've ever kept repressed inside came up all at once. And I honestly thought that I was going to have to get a job. I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to make another sale again. I just like, it was just like this complete shedding of an old skin. But while that old skin was shedding, I was still trying to clutch to the comfort of it. So I was just like, Oh my God, no, I can't sell. I can't do this. I can't do this. So what I want to really add to this is that it's really important as a thought leader, as an entrepreneur, even just any kind of entrepreneur, but particularly thought leaders, you have to be willing to go into the unknown. Like you have to know that it's not going, there's no guarantee. You are your guarantee. You are your safety net. There is nothing and no one else that you need anyway, but, um, they're not there, you know, like, yeah, you'll have a coach, you know, most people will have a coach, like you have a a support system, but at the end of the day, your success is your creation. And it it comes down to you at the end of the day and your decisions. And you have to be willing to go into the unknown and, and release that security blanket, that comfort of, always knowing for sure, for sure that everything's okay. But at what expense, you know, you, you, in order to have that security and that paycheck for a lot of people, it means sacrificing freedom. So yeah. I to claim freedom first over comfort. There comes this time where you just have to dive into the unknown. And I've been in the place too, that you described multiple times where it's like, you know, maybe I shouldn't risk this, but I've already overcome so many struggles that, you know, I know it's going to be okay. I'm just going to risk it. And so very often I'll have, you know, friends and family and people in my life being like, okay, stop taking so many risks. And I'm just like, it's hard because once you see what you're really capable of Mm -hmm. and you really start to put yourself out there and you see how it, how rewarding it is. Yeah. It's tumultuous. Yeah. It, it brings up new challenges. Every time I take a new leap, new challenges come and sometimes it's exhausting. But once you know that you can do anything you put your mind toward, it's hard not to just want to play and just let loose yes. and just try everything. Like one really good example is next month at the end of the month, I'm going to Bali. And this is something I've always wanted to do. I've I'm going been to-, to Bali. It's amazing. Yes. You're going to love it. <laughs> so excited. I've never traveled before, like outside of the continent. So I'm Canadian. I don't know if you know that. Um, oh. Yeah. Fun fact. Why did I think you were like in the Midwest? Where is the men? Oh, never mind. That was a dumb question. It's Midwest. Like, um, like oh, I don't even know. I'm such a like typical geographically okay. challenged American. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you were in Canada. That makes- <laughs> I mean, barely. I'm on like literally where I live. I live on the Detroit River. So I mean, yes, I'm Canadian, but I'm pretty close to um, to the states. Like, as okay. in, I could 
Like if, if you could walk across the border, I could walk to the States. <laughs> oh, very cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people I, I'm assuming don't like even hear it in my accent as much because I've grown up in a city that's very Americanized. So mm. I feel like I'm like this like hybrid, but anyway. Yeah. Like- Cause usually some, sometimes like the Canadian, it will like slip out like just oh, a little. Oh yeah. No, there's times where I hear like a boot and I'm like, Oh, that came out. That was Canadian. <laughs> but, like sometimes I'll say certain words and I'm like, that was so American. And then I'll say other words. And I'm like, that's so Canadian. Yeah. Like, okay. So well, my it's accent- funny because like, for me, I don't like for the longest time, again, ignorant American alert. Um, I didn't <laughs> I think it. I had an accent and <laughs> until I was on a plane Spain and this girl was like you're from like southern california huh and i was like how did you know she's like your accent and i was like what are you talking about everyone talks <laughs> like me but it's true because you know california you have like all of the, the movie stars and actresses and artists and stuff they're all in southern california so when you see it on tv like we all sound alike and then sometimes yes. now, because I talk to people all over the world, especially like Australian, um, mm-hmm. Australians are like people from New Zealand, mm-hmm. New Zealanders, how do you want to even call them? Um, I, yeah, I don't know, New Zealanders. Uh, but like, I, I don't hear their accents anymore, but really? I hear my own, yeah, like if I do like back-to-back interviews with them, um, I don't, I'll, I'll hear my own accent. I'm like, oh my gosh, like. Well, you know what? I laugh at you, but honestly, before I started coaching, I wasn't as aware of my accent. Like I, I mean, I guess I knew in theory that I had an accent, but it was kind of the same for me too, where if someone had said to me, Oh, your accent, I'd be like, what? Even though I knew I had one, you just don't think about it until you start interacting with people from around the world. And then, then it starts to hit you. And I know I had um, a Scottish client for a while and her accent was just so beautiful. And uh, (laughs) after a while, because I had a Scottish client and a client from England at the same time, that's when I really started to become aware of the sound of my own accent because I was yeah. so aware there's like this contrast effect. And I was like, God, I wish I had theirs. Mine sucks. Like, yeah. yeah, I feel like especially I hate like when I first started the podcast and I, and I was editing my own stuff, mm-hmm. I would like just hearing my own voice. I was like, oh my God, yeah. these poor people. These poor people have to listen to my voice. Listen even to my they- voice. And like my mom at a family dinner was like, you should listen. Let's listen to some episodes of your podcast. And I was like, can we not? Like, you don't understand. I've had to listen to my voice while I was recording. I've had to listen to my voice editing for like two days and then I usually like listen to another run through before I publish it so it's like I've already listened to this like four or five times I don't (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so funny because um yeah, no, that, that was like, that's like the same thing with me too, is like, just from like looking over, sometimes when I do live streams, like I'll look them over and just be like, oh, how did that come out? Cause I channel it the whole time. So I'm like, I kind of just go into this like state where the words just come out. And so sometimes I like to listen to it after. So a combination of like live streaming and coaching sessions being recorded, like I've heard my own voice so many times that I don't even like, it doesn't even freak me out anymore because I'm just like, so tired of the sound of my own voice sometimes (laughs) like you know like a lot of I I always forget that like not everyone lives that way and like people will say things to me like oh I hate the sound like my husband said it the other day I hate the sound of my voice when it's played back at me and I was like yeah I used to be like that too and now I just don't even think about it because my whole life is listening to my own voice and other people's but (laughs) I feel like I'm starting to get used to it now like I've been doing it for like a couple of months now I'm just like whatever you know what yeah we're just gonna have to deal with it it's not, I don't know if you've, if you've ever watched the show, um, the nanny with like Fran, Franny, 
she had that really like annoying um oh yes I think I do know what you're talking about actually is it like a reality show it wasn't a reality show it was like about she was a nanny to um like I think it's two or three kids and the dad was British oh okay um Wait, is this a movie or a show? It was a show, and then I think it became a movie. Oh, it was, okay. like, in the 90s, I think. Or this, maybe okay, we- then I think I saw the movie, not the show, though. But I think I saw the movie. Okay, but yeah, it was, like, her voice. Like, at least they don't have her voice, because that would have been yes. worse for a podcast. <laughs> maybe I haven't seen the movie, because it was Scarlett Johansson, and I'm like, is there anything about Scarlett Johansson's voice that's weird? Nope. Oh, no, 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 I'll have to send it to you. It's like, I'll send you a clip. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think it was just called The Nanny, I think. I don't yeah. know how to find it. Or, yeah. like, Janice from Friends. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, it was kind of like that. It was kind of like that. I'm like, I'm glad that's not my voice. <laughs> At least it's not that. Oh, my God, yeah. At least it's not that. <laughs> Where she's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are worse accents out there. It could be so much worse. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, we kind of kind of went on a tangent, so let's yeah, bring it in. Um, so your Facebook lives. So you were saying, so talking about the channeling thing because yes. I get that because I have moments of that when I'm coaching, and it's just like I get into a flow state and I just start talking, and then the person will be like, "Wait, can you say that again?" I'm like, "I don't know what I just said." So I said. <laughs> yeah. So kind of yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So. Um, when I first unlocked my intuitive gifts, one of the absolute game changers was when I discovered how I channel. And so what I mean by channeling is it's kind of like, it's a part of your intuitive mind. So when I'm in my intuitive mind, which is really just a relaxed state, it's not like you like turn on this like magical switch and you know, it's just a relaxed mental clarity state where you're open to receiving information instead of trying to create it from thin air and trying to force information to come out and instead of trying to plan and analyze and and you know, it's a very different way. It's like receiving the information and letting it flow out of your mouth without censoring it, without changing it. Like even right now, as I'm talking, I'm just letting it all just come out however it comes out. And it takes a lot of relaxation. But as you start to do that, you can talk on a stage without even trying. I mean, I haven't tried that yet, but I, I feel very confident that once I get over the stage, right, I could channel on a stage. You can channel on a live stream, you know, and what happens is very often for me as a live stream, all I need is a topic. And then I just open up my mind, like I take five minutes before the live stream and kind of close my eyes, take a deep breath, clear my mind out, kind of do like a mini meditation sort of thing. And then, and then all I have to do is let it come out. It's so weird. It's almost like the live stream was already planned by someone else and I just have to deliver it. Like almost like I'm the vessel and the message Mm -hmm. coming through me is not really it. Yes, it is mine. Like I'm supposed to deliver it, but it's coming from the collective. It's coming from, actually, you mentioned that earlier, the knowledge that we all have, the innate collective consciousness, the collective awareness. So can you explain what the collective is for someone? Because I've heard that term, but I don't even know the definition. Yes. So I don't want to say like I'm an expert on what it is, but my understanding of it is that it is that common shared knowledge that you mentioned before that that other coach, uh, that man guy. Michael (laughs) Neal. Yeah, the man guy. <laughs> the man guy. <laughs> Double on but yes. Yep. <laughs> that man guy talked about. Um, but that's exactly it. It's like, it's like, okay, I don't what it is tangibly couldn't tell you. My theory is it's energy. But essentially, oh, oh, I I got this. Okay. Sorry, the answer just came to me. Okay. So as human beings, we think we're all separate. We think we're separate entities because that's what it looks like. 
And that's what it seems like. But we are actually all part of one unit. And I think this is more of an energy thing than a physical thing, obviously. Like, obviously, physically, we're somewhat separate. But energetically, we are all interconnected because we are all one unit. We're like, we're part of one universe. So we are connected to each other. We are connected to the trees. Like, there is really no separation. The separation is our own, our brain's way of projecting what we see. But really, we are all one. And so with us being all one, we think together. And what one person thinks is going to impact what another person not necessarily thinks, like we're still in control of what we decide to believe in and our values and whatnot. But collectively, if we all believe in the same thing, we start to create that reality in the world at large. And so I very much believe the collective is a huge part of the work that I do because I want to heal the world. And how do you heal the world? You know, when you think of all the different things that are going on in the world, you will go crazy if you try to solve all those problems because you can't, because the problems aren't coming from the fact that they're happening. You have to go deeper than that. The reason these things are happening on the earth is because collectively we are scared collectively as human beings, we still haven't evolved past fear enough yet and into love enough yet to eliminate a lot of these problems. But as we start to, and I really do believe coaching is the leading edge here, as we start to come into love and come into truth as a collective, and so that's why the coaching is so important, you know, we change and then we help others change and then we help others change. And so the collective begins to shift. These kinds of things like like racism and um, not to get super heavy on you, but you know, all those, those yeah, all the dark stuff that happens in the world, you know, it's not going to be able to, to thrive and survive anymore because we are not projecting that story anymore. And it's not to say that, you know, it's everyone's fault that these things are happening or anything like that. It just, it just is what it is. It's just as humans, we haven't evolved past this point yet. And so I really do believe that we're at a stage where we are starting to evolve past that point. But long story short, the collective is that shared energy that we as humans all uh, share. (laughs) So the shared energy between us, between us. So it can be emotional. It can be thoughts. It can be actions. It can be beliefs. It can be values. And it, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't um, do something different from what the collective is making you feel, but there's a part of you that is connected to the collective always. So you're always going to feel that and you can do what you want with it because it's not all fear. You know, in the collective, there's, because this is such a time of uprising and such a time of spiritual awakening and change, like a record time of spiritual awakening. There's never been a time where, at least from what I've read, and honestly, it just makes sense when you look at history and stuff. There's just never been a time where so many people are awakening so fast and so rapidly and in so many numbers. So I do believe that because of that right now, the collective consciousness, although it may be harboring a lot of fear, is also the seat of all the light and the positivity and the love and the spiritual knowledge and all the spiritual awakenings that are happening right now are bringing more and more light into the collective. So it's not all bad, you know? And so that's how you're able to channel live streams and channel your thought leader message because you're channeling from the light of the collective. You're you're channeling from the wisdom of the collective. So it's not information that you've made up and that you own and that you can copyright and patent. It's not like that. It's information that we all share, but we deliver it in different ways. And that's why I don't really get super competitive or care if someone says something very similar to what I've just said or publishes something that looks very similar to what I published. I've never really understood that concept unless the person is like literally copying you. But I've never understood that concept because we are all 
there's only a limited amount of concepts and we're all channeling. Well, I don't want to say limited number of concepts, but really at the end of the day, as human beings, sometimes there's going to be some overlap because we're channeling from the same source at the end of the day because right. we come from the same source, you know, and we're all connected. I want to circle back to that thing mm-hmm. about being competitive because I've heard this a lot and I've seen this a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've had people take things like verbatim what I've said yeah, or it's a little <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. And in the beginning it would piss me off because I was like, I've worked so hard, like your ego is sober, right? Like I've worked so hard, you get that like competitive energy going and I've always been a very competitive person. Um, Okay, yeah. But Mm -hmm. I've realized that like I trust myself enough to know that creative, like that I'm going to create something more and I'll create something different. And I'll create some, every time I create something, it's probably going to be better than the last thing that I created. So now I'm like, I just, it's just a trust in your own creative abilities that it's not the last thing that you're ever going to create. It's not the best offer you're ever going to create. And that doesn't mean that what you're creating right now isn't good. It's that you're going to continue to get better if you're continuing to learn. And so now I'm like, I could spend, it's all about for me, like how you spend your energy, like energy, Mm -hmm. energy to me is currency. So like, how am I going to spend my energy? Am I going to spend it on creating a new course, creating a new offer, creating a new live stream, whatever it is, or am I going to spend my energy worrying about, you know, Sally Joe who took my idea, or am I going to spend it about like, you know, the crazy honor uncle at the holiday party who didn't under, who doesn't understand what you're doing, (laughs) like as a job, like how you actually make money, like, where am I spending my energy? And I think that that actually comes full circle into actual, like, I believe money is energy. It Um, is. Absolutely. (laughs) Can you talk about that? Because I've said it so many times in my own way. Yeah. Good for someone will be the last topic and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Money is energy. Cause I think that's, um, Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Mhm. Absolutely. Yes. So, first of all, I love how you said energy is currency because that's how I see money is that money is like the physical representation of the energetic exchange that happens. It's just like one way of us like it's just another way that we exchange energy. Money like, you know, I I don't think every energetic exchange involves money obviously, but certain ones do. And um I have actually learned quite a bit about this recently that money is not really a real tangible thing, especially now with everything being so digital and it's literally just numbers and you really don't actually hold anything in your hand anymore. It's becoming more and more like abstract. And so it's not even really, I mean, not to say that it's not a thing, like money is a thing, but it's something that we have created in order to make energetic exchange, maybe I, in my opinion, it makes things easier, more convenient, but money doesn't come, you know, a lot of people don't really know where money actually comes from. You know, like people will be like, Oh, we well, get a job. You'll get money. Well, okay. That's one way for sure. But there's a lot of people who don't have jobs who still make money. There are a lot of people who have businesses of their own. So therefore, you know, technically there's no guarantee to ever make money and yet they do. And so that was really what got my brain thinking even recently, like, okay, so then what is money? If it doesn't come from hard work, if it doesn't come from your job, if it doesn't, I mean, yes, it does come from your job, but if it's, that's not necessary, like if that's not really what brings in the money, like I, I know plenty of people who don't have jobs and yet they just manifest this money. So, you know, it's like, okay, so what is this money game? 
And actually there, I was talking to another coach about this and she's a really, really successful money, like spiritual money coach. I I just love her. And, um, she was saying to me how money is actually the energy of value. So what you value will attract money to you. So it depends if you're someone who values good, honest, hard work, a really long, hardworking day, then that's going to be true for you. Hard work is what is going to bring in money for you. If you value spirituality and looking after your energy and putting yourself first and, you know, really dedicating your time to potent inspired business actions, instead of just trying to keep yourself busy, Mm -hmm. then that's, what's going to make money for you. But the most important part of this is to remember that you need to value yourself more than anything, because once you value yourself, that's when you become the creator of your own money, because money is the energy of value. And as you value yourself, you become a match for more and more money. Very often the reason why people struggle with money so much is because they struggle to value themselves. They don't know what's so special about them yet. They don't know what's important. They don't like about them yet. They don't understand how they are, they are, they could change the world tomorrow. Like they could, they could change their life tomorrow. They could change the way they think and feel in an instant because that's how powerful they are. And so, you know, I found that the spiritual intuitive path really taught me to value myself because you start to see how as a human being, we are incredibly valuable. We're like little mini gods. Like, you know, (laughs) like we're just, we're really, um, we're really potent, really powerful creators. And the money is just one tiny thing that we can create. We can create so much more and money is just one part of it. But there's like this wound in the collective around money because we've started to, I think what has happened is we've started to forget what money even is. We're just like, ah, I need it. And I know that like certain action steps lead to convenient money. Right. But I hate taking these action steps. And that's how people sacrifice their freedom because it's like, well, this is, this is the only way to make money. And if I don't have money, how am I going to live? And Not honestly, <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. Well, I worked in corporate. Well, I worked in retail for about five years and then I worked in corporate America for about, Oh yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> two and a half, three years. And I, that was the biggest thing I didn't realize. I thought something was inherently wrong with me because I couldn't sit at a desk for nine hours. Yeah, me too. Everyone around me was like, seemed to be doing fine. And I was like, I can't sit still. I mean, I was dealing with an anxiety disorder on top of that. Yeah. So it was just a lot of like stuff just coming up and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I always, I felt the same way as you too. Like what's wrong with me? Everyone else can just get a job and be happy. But for me, that was, that felt like a death. Like, yeah. so I'll pick one job and that's my job until I retire. And then I can have some fun. What if I don't even live to retirement age? What then? I've just really? wasted my life for money. And so I think that that's what's happened collectively is that's what we've started to do. We've started to, we've started to sell our life and our soul for money. We've literally sold our souls for money, not meaning to, but that just cause that's what we've been taught and that's what's right. gained momentum. That's what's gained traction. And that's why I, I just, coaches are so important to this world right now. Thought leaders are so important to this world right now because as we start to change how we think about money, how we interact with money, how we see money, you know, this is going to change the world forever because people will start to ask themselves, wait a second, is my freedom really worth giving up for money? Because I can make money laying in bed. You know, that that was something I learned from running my own business is there's, I've literally made money sitting on a couch or laying in bed. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with hard work unless that's what your number one value is. But if your number one value is you and your intuitive gifts and your thought leader movement, that's what's going to make you money. So money is really just 
value. And in my opinion, it's also like potency. So when you're taking those potent inspired actions and you're living your most potent life, I, apparently I like that word today. Uh, you know, that's, when, that's when I feel the money really comes in is like when you're living potently aligned, inspired, creatively, Honestly, if I, if I could sum up what I want to say into a sentence, I would say that your life creates your money, your mm -hmm. life creates your success, your life feeds your business. The life needs to come first. The life work, the soul work, the psychological work that has to come first because once it does, the business actions work so easily that it almost seems like magic. That's why I've had so many breakdowns because I'm like, this is too easy. Everyone's having a hard time with money around me why am I having such an easy time? So then I would make it complicated. I'd start overthinking things, doubting myself, no longer putting myself out there, no longer selling or, you know, avoiding selling soft selling, you know, not really being brave enough to go out there and be like, Hey, I want to be your coach. Like, let's do this. I stopped doing that because I really felt like the way that I was selling was just, it was working so well. This sounds crazy, but it was working so well. And it was so easy that I got scared and I freaked out and sabotaged it a few times. Like this has been a pattern in my business that I feel this time I have really overcome. I've just kind of come out of the end of a really um, heavy time. I think a lot of us have actually through October, like October, September, even the summer, like a lot of people have been experiencing intense emotions and intense shifts. And one of those things for me was, was just that was, um, Yeah. I'm, I just went blank, but what I said before, <laughs> well, <laughs> Wait, no, I, I just want to, I just want to say thank you so much for <laughs> being on the podcast. This is amazing. Um, and thank you for doing it last minute. You're an absolute rock star. <laughs> thank you so much. I honestly have loved this so much. And